Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome once again to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, once again joined by my co-host, Tom Dorian. Tom, I missed you. In our last show, I had uh, I had some co-hosts. Yeah, me. that was a good show. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I we, missed you, too. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're back and sitting Thank here you. with us. But the good thing is that we're graced again with the presence of Father Jim Blunt. What a, what a treat. He is a, a priest from Belize. Uh, has come all this way to uh, join us in the Catholic Cafe. He is a priest of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, right. uh, Assault Priests. And uh, we are so glad to have you here, Father Jim. Welcome again to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thanks, Deacon. Thanks, Tom. Now, is this, a re- is this really a luxurious corner booth? I mean, in Belize, do you have anything as luxurious <laughs> as this? This is where the millionaires would be seated in oh. Belize. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. We'll try to live up to that high standard. Well, Father, the last show that I did with you was on uh, this idea of fatherhood. And one of the things we talked about was when there was a lack of fatherhood, that the family was in disarray. Yes. That the that the father, if he were weak or even non-existent, was no longer to apply any kind of influence to that family, especially influence that would be mirroring or reflective of, of God the Father. So that where would that leave that family? And they would they'd be open at that point. Mm-hmm. We kind of want to focus on now this idea of what happens when that happens. Deacon, I got a call a couple of years ago in Belize. I do most of the work of exorcism in our country. This family called me about a young man they felt was possessed by the devil, a teenager. He was in jail because he had just tried to kill his dad, tried to stab his dad to death. In Belize, it's a little bit easier to get paroled, and they, they got him out. And they went to bring him to me to my church, Divine Mercy Church, to see if we could give him an exorcism. So I said, yes, bring him over. And I set up my prayer team to pray while I was working with him and the family. And uh, when he came, I had them all in my adoration chapel, and we prayed. And I just want to take note that when I, I anointed each member of the family, there in Belize, families tend to stick together. So his grandmother came, and his grandpa, uncles and aunts, brothers and sisters. I anointed them all with holy oil. When I went to anoint the young man, however, he would not let me touch him with the oil. Even though his eyes were closed, as I went to put my thumb on his forehead, he knew where my hand was. When I would move it right or left, he would move his head accordingly, though his eyes were closed. Then he opened his eyes, but his eyes were rolled back, so all I saw were the white of his eyes. And still he knew where my hand was. just want to give you a little signal that this boy truly was being demonized in some way. He had tried to kill his dad. As I asked everyone to kneel, I noticed he was unable to kneel. The whole family knelt on the floor with me, but he literally could not physically bend his knees because the one that he had been serving, so to speak, the evil one, will not worship Jesus, will not worship the Father. And so as I prayed the rosary with the family for this young man to be set free, I pray the rosary of Our Lady because the Bible teaches us, every Bible says in Genesis three fifteen and 16, that the woman would crush the head of the serpent. So I always try to go into a deliverance or an exorcism only and always with that biblical prophetess, the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
and she helps me to apply the victory of Christ to each soul. As I prayed with them, uh, the young man was visibly distracted. When I was done, I brought him upstairs to actually give him the deliverance or the exorcism that he needed. I decided to leave the family in prayer so as not to frighten them. He had already done one very bizarre act in the Adoration Chapel. So I brought him upstairs, and as I walked upstairs with him into my office, uh, I began to uh, experience a temptation, and that was fear. All of a sudden, a little voice was saying to me, you, what kind of idiot are you? You're bringing this killer up to your office all by yourself? Boy, you're an idiot. This is the guy that just tried to kill his father. Just tried to kill his dad. And the boy is bigger than me. I'm following him, and I'm getting this temptation. You, what kind of nut are you? Saranara, good to know you. <laughs> so then I recognized it for it, because I began to be frightened. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is a temptation. I rebuked it right then. And I said, Father, what do you want me to do? Jesus, show me what I need to do, because each deliverance, each exorcism is unique and different. Well, immediately I received this word, and the word was, and I was surprised, the word was, love him like a father. And I, was, I said, what? And again in my spirit, I heard the voice, love him like a father. And I brought him into my office, and I began to affirm this young man, I began to affirm him in his goodness. And I told him, I think you really are a good boy, actually. I think you're a good boy. There's something's gone wrong here, but you're good and God loves you. And I had him read a, a verse of scripture for me from my Bible. And he read it, and he read it extremely well, which is unusual for a boy from the village. He read it well. And so I jumped on that and said, you're the best reader I've ever had in here. How do you react to that? Every time, Deacon, that I would give him a compliment, I would see like something like darkness leave him. I saw his eyes slowly begin to be filled with light. He began to get bigger and stronger. Something was undergoing inside of him a transformation. And I continued to affirm him. And I told him, listen, a father should give his son gifts. Look around my room. What do you like? And he loved this picture I had from Rome. My own mom had bought it for me from Rome. I had it framed beautifully. It was a huge picture. And I said, I didn't want to give it away, but I had to. I said, you see that picture? I know you love that one the most. That's yours. And I got up, took it off the wall, it was almost bigger than me, and gave it to him. And he was visibly stunned. I said, this is for you. That goes in your bedroom when you go home. Finally, when I finished all of this affirming and speaking and praying, then I asked him, now, can I anoint you now? And he put his head down like a little lamb and said, yes. I couldn't even touch him before with the oil. And I anointed him. And I did not tell him I prayed a prayer of exorcism over him. I, I did it quietly, as not to frighten him. I bound the evil spirit and cast it away from him. And the church instructs us in an exorcism or a serious deliverance to pray for a sign. Ask God for a sign that the man is really free. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to give this young man another gift. And here's the sign I ask of you, that he's free. When I get done with this little exorcism, I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to ask him, son... Take whatever you want from my office. I want to give you another gift because you're a special child. You're a good young man. And my favorite statue in my office is a statue of St. Michael the Archangel crushing the head of the serpent. It's my favorite statue. It's well done and it's beautiful and I love it. It's the last thing I would ever give away. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to tell him anything. I'm going to tell him to take whatever he wants in my office. I've filled with pictures and statues. If he takes that one, my favorite one, and if he embraces it to his heart and hugs it, 
That will be my sign from you that he's been completely set free from the evil one. Let me take a wild guess. Take a wild guess, DK. <laughs> Tom, I'm going to let you have this one. This is a softball uh, I, I think we all know the answer. <laughs> Absolutely. St. Michael the Archangel went home with that young man that day, didn't he? He grabbed him and hugged him and wouldn't let go of him. Wow. And I brought him downstairs. Then I knew he was free. That was a sign he had secretly asked for from the Holy Trinity. And he walked downstairs with this huge picture, as big as he was, in this statue, walked into the chapel where his family was waiting for them, and I thought they were going to faint. Yeah, I could imagine the, the reaction after having seen a child they thought was possessed and eyes rolled back. And, yes. And now they're seeing this uh, wonderful, docile youth in front of them yes. clutching these uh, beautiful religious articles. And Deacon, he was smiling, an authentic smile. He had peace and joy. I checked on him a year later, still fine, still well. At the heart of the problem, as you can well guess, this young man did not have a father. His daddy was there with us that day. I think it's the first time he'd been there with his son in years. His daddy was a professional and very successful businessman, an international traveler, was always away, never had time for his son. And his son, in that void of a father figure, somehow, through the influence of several friends at school, found a satanic website, and he began to be involved with a satanic cult, almost looking for that father's love that he never got from his dad, almost as if the evil one himself, with his own so-called strength and fury, could become his manly and tough father. So you see a direct correlation between the lack of fatherhood in a family, and which means necessarily the lack of understanding of God the Father, if you have no physical father here, Yes, that that opens the door wide open for Satan to step through, for his demons to come in and uh, to play havoc in your life. Basically, you start to fill your cup with the wrong thing. We're looking for a father, and everyone is looking for a father. And if I could make an aside here... I believe the homosexual curse in the United States of America and around the world are men looking for their fathers. And they're caught up in a demonic trap. We need fathers. But we need good fathers and holy fathers. And when they're not there, that's when anything is possible. We will fill, as you said, Deacon, that cup with anything putrid or evil. It was confirmed to me a few months later when a girl was brought to me, a teenage girl, was, was truly demonized, had to perform a deliverance exorcism over her. And it turns out, as I did the interview, I don't jump into it, I take hours to speak with them and the family, an abusive father-daughter relationship, truly abusive, evil, to be honest with you. Then a third case, another teenager that year, same exact thing. And I felt the good Lord was knocking me on the head and saying, do you see, do you see, do you see? No father, Temptations to atheism, and the next step, even Satanism. A false father, an evil father. So that is definitely part of the natural law, this idea that we need to be fathered. Indeed. We are look, we're always looking for guidance. We want to know where to go, who to turn to, what to say, what to do. We want to be told that from the earliest of times. And, and I think like, as you're younger, you want affirmation. Yes. And as you're older, you want instruction. Yes. But at all times, you want love. Amen. And if we're not looking in the right place for that, yes. it's dangerous. And that's when we get into this idea of spiritual warfare. Yes, right? indeed. There's a, a battle going on within our very souls. There's someone waiting in the wings, and he's quite willing to jump in 
and fathers to take your place, and priest fathers to take your place. If you're not going to be a good, strong, and faithful father, there's someone else waiting in the wings. He has two little horns on his head, and he's willing to take that gift that you don't give, and he'll take it, and he wants to lead them in all the wrong places. He's evil, and he has only one desire, that we join him forever where he is, because misery loves company. We're going to come back and talk more about this idea of lack of fatherhood and increase in spiritual warfare right after we take a break. Before we do that, I want to remind everyone we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I'd like you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so, with that, don't listen to the devil. Tune us back in. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Jose Maria Escriva was born in Spain in 1902. His parents were devout Catholics who were busy raising their energetic family of six. Little Jose felt that he had been chosen for something special and thought that by becoming a priest, he might faithfully fulfill his calling. He entered the seminary and was ordained a priest in 1925. Father Escriva was initially assigned to a small rural parish, but he was soon sent to the Spanish capital of Madrid to study law. But after only a few years in Madrid, he felt another particular calling to found a new lay movement as a way for the faithful to sanctify themselves in their daily lives. He called this ministry Opus Dei, Latin for the work of God. Its aim is to contribute to the church's evangelizing mission by helping the Christian faithful live fully in accordance with their faith in life's ordinary circumstances, and especially to sanctify their daily work. St. Jose Maria explained, We point to the example of Jesus, who spent 30 years in Nazareth, working at his job. In Jesus' hand, work, an ordinary job like that done by millions of people throughout the world, becomes a divine task, a redeeming job, a path of salvation. John Paul II remarked that St. Jose Maria Escriva gave himself totally to this mission. He said, From the beginning, his was a very wide-ranging apostolate in social environments of all kinds. He worked especially among the poor and the sick, languishing in the slums and the hospitals of Madrid. With a clear sense of purpose and a commitment to his new apostolate, St. Jose Maria Escriva brought many to the life of everyday sanctity. Shortly after he began his new work, the Spanish Civil War broke out in 1936 and lasted for nearly four years. During this time, the church was severely persecuted and St. Jose Maria went into hiding, but still fulfilled his priestly duties. Although his very life was threatened simply for being a priest, he still ministered to the faithful. As part of his preaching the universal call to holiness, St. Jose Maria Escriva held St. Joseph up as a perfect example of Christian fatherhood. St. Jose Maria wrote, In human life, Joseph was Jesus' master in their daily contact, full of refined affection, glad to deny himself to take better care of Jesus. Isn't that reason enough for us to consider this just man, this holy patriarch, in whom the faith of the Old Covenant bears fruit, as a master of interior life? I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And with the help of Our Lady, we're back once again for yet another segment about spiritual warfare with Father Jim Blunt. Father, we we started this whole first segment off with uh, several cases, actually, of demonic possession, or at least uh, demonic obsession. I mean, that the the concept that this person was totally open to uh, demonic spirits. Yes. Right? And because of that lack of fatherhood, that that lack of direction in their lives. Lack of spirituality. I think most people who are listening to this program might not have either known or ever even encountered something quite so dramatic, you know, with with someone whose eyes are rolled back and spewing venom, whatnot. Maybe they haven't experienced that, but does that mean the problem is any less important in their lives? I believe, Deacon, that the evil one has less places to hide in Belize and in Haiti. In the United States, he has lots of places to hide, and he would prefer to hide. He can hide behind a three-piece suit. He can hide in an executive suite of an office building. Sometimes he hides in the church. And so we need to be aware of this. He would rather not be seen. He'd, then he can work more freely. I know you do. use the image of, of the log you lifted up and the light, and all of a sudden the, the roaches scatter. Yes, exactly the same. When a priest or a father speaks the truth, the demons begin to scatter. They don't like that. You're shedding light on them. And so hopefully we'll have a few scatter today during yes, this show. Amen. <laughs> Please, God, in every household that hears this. But your enemy would rather not be seen. And I'll tell you what, I was in the Navy for a while in some Navy training. Your enemy is not going to put himself in full view. When you go out even on patrol with a point man, you're going to be out in the middle of the woods somewhere. Your enemy is going to be hiding. He doesn't want you to see him. Then he can pick you off. And that's his whole plan. So he's well hid in the United States of America. You talked about the point man. You talked. We talked about fatherhood and yes. the, the the devil. I'm thinking is going to attack the point man first, and mm-hmm. once he is successful in that attack, yes. he's gonna he's gonna own the rest of the troop or the rest of the family. Yes, exactly. Or the rest or of the, the parish, the church. Right. Very good, Tom. You see, the priest or the father is the point man. He is designated by God, anointed to be the leader of the family or the church, not the dictator, not necessarily the smartest one either. But he does have a role of leadership or authority. And the man of God has to be a man of courage and of wisdom, a man of strength. The evil one knows this. And so I I believe his great plan is to wipe out every daddy, every father, get him hooked on pornography or alcoholism or God only knows what it is or making millions of dollars. And get every priest wiped out as well. Some priests too get addicted to pornography. Some priests get addicted to alcohol. And I believe the evil one wants to wipe out the priests, the spiritual fathers, and the daddies, the earthly fathers, so that the children and the women are his. And this is his plan, to wipe out the point man so he can take control of our children and destroy them and their lives. I think we can look at our modern culture right now uh, that John Paul II called a culture of death. Amen. Right? And so we can look at that and we can see that taking place. We'd have to be blind not to see it. Yes. Right? So now we don't want to leave this program uh, with a bunch of uh, uh, real negative thoughts and think, well, it's all over. We might as well go and sit and hunker in a cave somewhere. What are we What are we to do? God has given us uh, some ammunition. Has Amen. The scripture teaches us that the Lord has won for us every spiritual blessing in the heavens. And he won for us these blessings because we need them. The Lord does things for a reason and for a purpose. There are many weapons in the church and in sacred scripture. And let me give you one very simple example because every Catholic, every Protestant can use this gift. 
even our Mormon and Muslim brothers and sisters can use this gift. That is holy water. We can use the gift of water blessed by a priest, a bishop, or a deacon. Holy water sanctifies the environment. I had a case once in Belize, and this we would see this here in the U.S. as well. I've had this case several times. A man came to see me, a taxi driver. He had not slept for approximately 70 days straight. His wife sent him to see me. He was not sleeping at night. And quite literally, he was about to go out of his mind. He'd already been to several doctors, took medication, could not sleep. He would sit in a lounge chair all night, and for almost 70 days, he came to me in tears, and he was about to go crazy. And you will go crazy without proper sleep. And so as I spoke to him and listened to him, and I know he'd already been to the doctors, I prayed about it, and I became aware of a reality around him. And I just told him, this is called the gift of the discernment of spirits which is also one of those spiritual blessings from the heavens that the Lord Jesus won for us, and it's mentioned right in sacred scripture as well. I said, listen, brother, your problem is a spiritual battle. You're fighting the unseen enemy, and he's keeping you awake at night. It's not medical, it's spiritual. Here, and I gave him a bottle of holy water. It's one of the ministries of my church. We just pass them out for free to anybody. We take our empty water bottles and Coke bottles, wash them out, and put blessed water, and then we just pass it out to anybody. I gave him a bottle of holy water and said, go home tonight before you go to sleep. Bless yourself with this water and bless the bedroom. And I'll see you tomorrow if you wake up. He went home and he did that. And his wife called me the next day. He slept like a baby all night long. Holy water. It got rid of the evil one. He used it with faith. It's not magic. He had faith in Christ and faith in what Christ's representative said to him. He sprinkled the water in faith and slept like an angel. Beautiful, simple, easy, not scary. And you can use this gift with many different types of diabolical attacks. Maybe your house is filled with argumentation. You know, when I come to bless a house in Belize, I know what's happening in the house as soon as I step in the door. I once was blessing a school, and I went into one classroom, and immediately I turned to the principal and said, there's a spirit of alcoholism in this classroom. And the principal nearly fainted, and when he recovered himself, he said, how did you know that? This is my only teacher who's an alcoholic in the school. But you see, we leave our sins behind and they infect the environment. So if your environment is being infected or affected by anything that's not of God, whether it's alcoholism or argumentation or impurity, take some holy water, run to your nearest church today. Bring it home. It's free of charge. I'll tell you why it's free. Because he already paid the price on the cross. <laughs> Amen. That's why it's free. Now, I know some people listening, though, might have a problem with these Catholic concepts of like things like holy water, things like you know blessed articles. Or uh, St. Benedict you know, Medal. St. Benedict Medals. What do we say? How do we address those issues? Well, the Lord himself, the night before he died, took two things into his hand, two corporal things. He took bread and wine into his hands, and he blessed them with his blessing and transform them into the bread of life, into his own body and blood. And if we are to take scripture literally, uh, fundamentally, he said, this is my body, this is my blood. In another place, we're told that we are to take oil. Oil is a physical thing. It comes from plants and fruits. We take this oil and we bless it and then we use it for anointing. Our Bible is printed on physical paper with physical ink. Everything we do in the spiritual life has some sort of tangible counterpart. You know why? Because God created all of it and creation is good. 
creation and redemption go together, just like man and wife. We even remember the the story when Jesus heals the blind man. Yes. And he could just, you know, think the thought and that blind man would be healed. But what did he do? He spat on the ground and with his spittle he made mud and he rubbed it in the man's eyes. So he took this physical reality and used that physical reality to heal the blind man. So his his powers to heal were, were ushered through that physical reality. In the same way, we see God's power. These are merely vessels for God's power. These things in and of themselves have no power. No. They have no worth. No. But they become worthy because God invests himself, his worthiness, in, in them. Exactly. You see, that's, that's Jesus the Redeemer working in union with Father the Creator. They work together. They're a team. And they send their third person, the Holy Spirit, through these through creation, through redemption, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Creation is not bad. Creation is good. And by the blood of Christ, it's been sanctified. But we can also run into trouble, can we not, if we invest all of our hope in mere articles of faith and not in the faith itself. In other words, can we forget about prayer? Can we forget about being holy and living uh, sanctified lives? Instead, think that these things then become superstitions, right? You start using a metal, and it would cross over into yeah. a superstition. And, and the church teaches that's wrong because you've lost the whole purpose and you've lost the ability to appreciate what God is doing through that St. Benedict medal, for instance. Exactly, Deacon. It's a good point that we have to use these things in faith. The church actually teaches that sacramentals work only by means of faith. So we have to have faith in Jesus Christ and in the Father who sent him. These are instruments of faith. So you're absolutely correct. They should be done and used with prayer and with faith and always remembering that the prayers of the just man availeth much. So we should have a holy life. When we use them, seek holiness. Then miracles happen. Seek holiness. Use them in holiness and anything good can happen. Father Blunt, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful explanation of this concept of spiritual warfare. I hope our listeners have gained much from it, as I have, Tom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got some good stuff. Now, when we end these shows, I always end in prayer. Mm -hmm. And I would like, uh, especially if we're doing a show on spiritual warfare and we're thinking about the evil one and and battling the evil one, I love to ask uh, the help of St. Michael the Archangel. And so would you lead us in the St. Michael the Archangel prayer? Sure, and by the way, that was composed by Pope Leo XIII after a special vision. He actually had an extraordinary vision. So, guided by the Holy Spirit, he wrote, and we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.